FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome back to the Believe in FCS football podcast with Joe DeLeon and not Sean Anderson. I am Joe DeLeon. Uh, this is your go-to source for FCS football analysis, film breakdowns, prospect analysis, all of that amazing stuff from two former FCS football players at the University of Rhode Island, providing you with the analytical approach, uh, the, the analysis and breakdown that you want for every single FCS football team in the country. As you heard me say it, folks, <laughs> it is again uh, the second show now of doing the Believe in FCS football podcast with only Joe DeLeon because Sean is still sick. He was still a little bit under the weather last time we recorded, but uh, apparently not noticeable enough for I didn't even notice. But Sean is currently still resting, just trying to make sure he's better. It kind of flared up what he was been dealing with. I'm not going to completely divulge any of his medical details or issues, but I can say firmly he does not have coronavirus, so you don't need to worry about anything happening to him with that or him having to deal with the coronavirus. He has something completely different. He's going to be completely fine. He just has to get tested for some other things. And obviously it's not very easy to get into a hospital right now. They're not really going to let anybody in unless they know for a fact you have something wrong with you or if you have coronavirus. So we're wishing Sean uh, a speedy recovery that he'll be back and okay for next week's show as we transition into doing the positional group shows start off with the kickers or not the kickers the quarterbacks rather we're going to have a specialist show at the end of the week this week if a uh or if the guest that we're trying to get is available and able to come on uh within that time so obviously right now it's very busy with kicking camps and all that so adam tanalski of hammer kicking is sometimes can be a tough guy to track down uh, considering all the circumstances. But Sean, like I said, wishing him a speedy recovery. If you want to go bother and berate him on Twitter, I fully encourage you to. Colin, that sounds like something you would definitely do. So uh, feel free to let him know that you're you're thinking about him. You're hoping he's feeling better. Uh, and he again, he'll be completely fine. Today's show, however, is the final preview for the conferences in the 2020 season at the FCS level. Today, I'm going to be talking about the CAA, the conference that I played in for my four years at the University of Rhode Island as a starting long snapper. Last year, I was obviously still playing as well. So now I'm on the outside looking in, no longer a part of the program at URI, but still very connected with knowing how this conference is going to do. To help me with this, I brought on a friend of the show, uh, you know, good friend of mine, Ryan Roberts, who is a draft analyst to talk about five guys from the CAA that he absolutely loves. We're going to get to hear from him in a little bit, and he's going to join the show. Before I head into that, there's one thing I want to address before also talking about last year's standings. So on Monday, when I'm recording this, Dayton in southeastern Missouri announced that they're canceling their season opener on September 3rd. Now, this was mostly because they felt that there wasn't enough time for them to properly prepare for the season as there are obvious hurdles with getting everybody on campus tested, make sure everyone's healthy, and then also still be able to practice for the 
four to six weeks that the NCA is hoping to have with these training camps, which are going to be a lot longer than usual. I believe heat acclimatization was part of it. Additionally, and I'm going to say this now that I don't think it's I don't think this is a big issue. I don't think this is something that we need to be increasingly worried about. There are going to be other openers that are canceled. There are obviously Division Two and Division Three programs straight up canceling their seasons. We're going to get to see football. I can't firmly guarantee and sit here and say it is a lock that we finish the 2020 season. I I, I just I can't. It, I would be lying to you if I if I said I knew for a fact because I don't. I don't think anyone in the country knows for sure if we'll get to see the ends of the professional sports seasons as well as the college sports seasons. But what I do know is that we're going to see a couple more games canceled. Week zero might end up not happening because of this, this game being a perfect, perfect example of that. We still could very well be completely fine and see a majority of the season. I think we're going to at least have a majority at the very least. We'll have a majority of the games played And this is something that I promise I will continue to monitor closely. If there are more cancellations, I will continue to echo that information on the shows if you don't happen to see that on social media. Speaking of social media, by the way, I have uh, created a list on Twitter. If you don't follow me already, at Joe DeLeon. Uh, Twitter changed the way that the lists work, and instead of it just being something that you add people to... It is now something you can actually go and follow, and the way that it operates is there's a certain number of members in there, and if you're following it, you get all the information that those members are tweeting, retweeting, liking, all that good stuff. So I have accumulated a list of, I believe, right now it's at 14 sources. Uh, It's got Sam Herter, Brian McLaughlin, uh, Sean and I, uh, Craig Haley, all of the important sources for FCS football. So if you're a real fanatic of FCS football and you want to follow along, be sure to check that out. And, and it's, it's, if you just search FCS football, it should be there. Before I bring on Ryan, I do want to hit on last year's standings in the CAA. JMU 14-2, 8-0, perfect in conference. Their two losses, West Virginia and North Dakota State. Obviously, they made their way all the way to the national championship, but fell just short in that final game of the season. Albany 9-5 made the playoff 6-2 in conference, Villanova nine and four, five and three in conference. UNH six and five, five and three. They outperformed a lot of expectations last year. Towson behind them seven and five, four and four. Maine six and six, four and four. Elon five and six, four and four. Richmond five and seven, four and four. Delaware disappointing year for the Blue Hens five and seven, three and five. William and Mary actually had a pretty decent year, five and seven, three and five. Stony Brook, after making the playoff the previous season, did not have a very good 2019, five and seven, two and six. And I think the most disappointing team out of anyone on this list, particularly because I was on this team, was you or I going two and ten and zero oh and eight. As I think many of us expected, even fans looking in at the CAA, there were a lot of people that said, "Oh, you or I had this six and five year. They're going to continue." with this momentum into having a big year. They've got three draftable prospects, a number of pro quality guys. They're going to turn themselves into something, but we ended up struggling early on and that really hurt uh, our momentum to go two and 10. At least we can say that we had a guy drafted and a bunch of guys signed NFL teams. That's a, a huge, huge deal for that URI program. 
And right now I'm going to introduce Ryan Roberts, who is becoming an, a huge entity in terms of covering uh, the NFL draft on social media. Easily one of the fastest growing people on Twitter. If you follow the NFL draft and you want to learn a little bit more about him, I uh, fully encourage you to go follow him at Rise and Draft. Ryan and I are actually going to be uh, doing an event together coming up uh, on July 8th, where we're going to be talking to some of the top FCS draft prospects with NFL Draft Bible. Uh, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that event coming up? Because if you know if you're a fan of FCS football and you want to hear from some of these these big name guys, it, it's really a perfect event. Yeah, it's it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, we're calling it the FCS Senior Spotlight by NFL Draft Bible. Obviously, myself and Joe will be the host, the co-host for the event. We have some of the top seniors on the FCS level coming back to school. Um, I've kind of been teasing out some of the names, but. You know, this is an FCS branded show, so I'm going to go through the list real quick, Joe, just so just bear with me for a second. All good. Uh, Cade Johnson, South Dakota State, Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa, Dylan uh, Radins, the offensive tackle from North Dakota State, Akil Glass, quarterback, Alabama A&M, Tyshawn James, uh, Central Connecticut State wide receiver, Ellerson Smith, defensive end from Northern Iowa, Willie Eubanks III from the Citadel, um, Brandon Easterling, safety from Dayton, Robert Rochelle, who is a cornerback out of Central Arkansas, and Deshaun Stevens are the verified guest, the linebacker for Maine. So we have a great panel. How it's going to work is we're just going to kind of go through the, the history of these guys from, from recruiting background to playing career. And then obviously the, a lot of these guys, aside from being the best players in the country, multiple All-Americans on this list, there are a few of them I've had the pleasure of talking to in the past. They're great young men with great stories, and I just can't really can't wait to dig into the specifics of their background because a lot of guys, for whatever reason, are undervalued, under-recruited on the FCS level. So let's dig into why that happened. You know, I, I know a couple of these guys, their backstory pretty well and why they ended up where they ended up because now they're guys that are being talked about, you know, high-level NFL draft picks. So let's talk about it, highlighting some of the best players in the FCS, Again, uh, like Joe said, uh, July it's actually July 9th, Joe. Sorry, I, I just wanted to correct that real quick. July oh, my 9th. apologies. Yeah, thank you for You're fixing good. that. <laughs> no worries at all. After that great introduction you gave me, I just have to, um, you know, just on you for a second. <laughs> but uh, July 9th, 8 Eastern time, you can email myself at ryan at nfldraftbible.com to reserve your spot. I can tell you we just announced it two days ago. We already have 22 people that have signed up for the event a part of this great panel. We're super excited about it. I'm excited to be able to be hosting it with Joe. And, uh, you know, I hope everyone just takes an opportunity to hear some of these great stories from these players on the FCS level. And Ryan, you obviously know this because you have been a relatively consistent listener of the FCS show that I think every single one of those guys that you named that you at NFL Draft Bible picked, we have talked about at some point or another. So if you enjoyed us talking about those guys uh, you know, on the show here this past few months and you want to hear some more about them, you want to actually hear from them, fully encourage you to go sign up, especially with some of those names are are huge. There are draftable guys on that list, uh, you know, especially Dylan Radins, who some people are saying right now he could be even a first rounder. Um, don't need to go too deep into it, but if you want to hear from these guys and you're fans of these programs, you should definitely take the time to tune in on July 9th. So as I alluded to, in the intro, Ryan is going to help me out with today's show because Sean is not here. 
for this CAA show. And I, I have a couple guys that I know that Ryan, you're very, very high on and that you really want to talk about. The first person who I've seen you talk about a ton on social media is Albany's quarterback, Jeff Undercuffler. Now we talk a lot about how Trey Lance is this favorite to be drafted in the first round. And he's an FCS quarterback. That's not even a senior Undercuffler probably won't end up declaring, but he has shown some really, really good stuff in his time at Albany. What are some of the things that really stand out to you about Undercuffler? So it's, it's funny. I really want to talk about Undercuffler because when, when I was coaching high school football, he was a kid that played at Holy Cross Academy here right in South Jersey. So I actually coached against him in high school. He was a dynamite two-sport athlete. He was a great baseball player as well as you could probably, you know, figure out by, by a guy with his incredible length at six foot five. And he was a player that a lot of people actually thought was going to play college baseball rather than football. But obviously this past year, you know, 41 touchdown passes for Albany on course to a playoff berth in the CAA. And he is a very talented quarterback. Like I said, six, five, 230 pounds throws a tremendous ball. And he's actually a lot better in the pocket as far as movement skills than you would expect for a guy his size. So, like you said, Trey Lance gets all the talk, but there's another really talented redshirt sophomore quarterback in 41 touchdown passes as a redshirt freshman. I'm, I'm excited to see what Undercuffler does. I know he loses Juwan Green, his, his top wide receiver, but really talented players still coming back. They have a nice running back, Mo Four coming back, Wes Necky, the, the tight end. There's a lot of nice players coming back. And then Jeff Undercuffler, I think, you know, we're talking about. Trey Lance being the best quarterback on the, on the uh, FCS level, I think Jeff has a very good argument to being that number two guy right now. And Undercuffler was named as a preseason All-American by Hero Sports. As you could assume, there's some pretty big hype around him. It just seems like he, he doesn't get as talked about as much because of of Trey Lance. He also does have Carl Mofer coming back for him, his lead running back. So he'll have that additional support still there. Going to be watching out for what he does uh, next season, uh, a running back that I know that, again, I see you talk about a lot, and I know that you're a big fan of, even though he's coming off of an injury, that is Towson's running back Shane Simpson. You know, despite the injury issues, what makes you such a fan of Simpson's? He's, he's just an all-around back. He does everything that you would really want. He could run some power scheme. He could run inside zone, outside zone. Lineup as a wide receiver. He's a great kick returner during his career at Towson as well. He's just kind of that all-around weapon. He's He's got well over 4,000 all-purpose yards in his career. And the question about Shane, and this is more from an NFL draft perspective, is, man, he just he gets hurt so much. You know, and it, it's, it's been multiple injuries. When he's on the field, he is clear and above one of the best athletes every time he's on the football field. The question of him is injury, but he was having a great year before he got hurt last year. I'm hoping he puts it together, man. He has that great year, this his sixth year of eligibility. So I'm really hoping he has this fully healthy year. Shane Simpson can, can do some things, man. He's a nice space player, and when he's healthy, he's one of the best all-around weapons on the entire FCS level. There's seemingly a, a pretty long list of running backs for the CAA returning, and, and Simpson, even though didn't play a full year last year, kind of like Justin Covington, too, uh, still very, very big playmakers that we're, we're certainly going to need to keep our eyes on. Now transitioning to a, a guy that's paving rushing lanes for players, Villanova center Paul Graton. 
I, I, I understand, too, you really like him. What are the things that make him one of the better, if not the best, returning offensive linemen for the CAA? Yeah, so uh, he's, a, he's a really nice young man, too. I had the opportunity to interview him as well in the past. I would say there's a couple offensive tackles that are going to be very high draft picks. This year we talked a little bit about the kid from North Dakota State uh, Raidens. We talked about Spencer Brown kind of introing to that FCS show. But I think the best interior offensive lineman possibly in the entire FCS level is the Scrotton kid from Villanova. He's very consistent, pretty nice length for the position. He moves relatively well, sideline to side, I mean, on side to side. He has some power to him. I think he has a very good chance of not only being the best center, uh, better offensive lineman in the CAA, but one of the better ones in the country, and then possibly maybe even the first off- interior offensive lineman from the FCS level off the board in um, in April next year. Transitioning to defense, two players that I want to ask you about. The first one, Stony Brook's defensive tackle, Sam Kamara. What are the, some, of, some of the things that really excite you about Kamara? Kamara is a great athlete for the position. He's only listed right around 275, 280 pounds, but the kid's got a ton of movement skills. Uh, two year, he's coming off an injury that shortened this past year, which is why he has this last year of eligibility. But two years ago in 2018, he had like nine sacks from the interior position. There's, the kid's got some juice as a pass rusher, man. I, I hope he gains a little bit of muscle mass. He's able to stay healthy this year because, honestly, he, he gets about as much interior penetration as anyone in the country. And uh, Sam Kamara is for a Stony Brook team that I know wasn't incredibly successful in a win-loss record last year is a – Really nice return for that program and hopefully getting them back to hopefully a winning season this year. Last guy that I want to ask you about, Ryan, is uh, you know a more underrated player. I, I feel like he'll be talked about a little bit more towards the maybe the end of the season for uh, what he's capable of doing. That is Evan Horn, the strong safety from UNH. What really stands out to you, to you uh, from him watching him play? So he's a guy that, so not, I don't think anybody else on this list can kind of make this clean. Evan Horn was actually a two sport athlete at New Hampshire at one point. He was actually on the basketball team. And when you go back to his oh, wow. high school career, yeah, he was, I mean, he's a really nice athlete, man. When you go back to his high school career, and I'm going to nerd out for a second because I'm, <laughs> I'm a track guy as well, being a football guy, but he's on top of being, I think, an all conference selection in football four times. He was a three-time All-State pick, I think, in basketball. And then he also threw 186 or 188 foot in um, the javelin as well in track and field. He was at the Penn Relays, in place of the Penn Relays his uh, junior year. So three sports star, man, and not, not even just a star, an absolute stud in all three sports. And he comes to New Hampshire. He, he plays basketball, you know, after his redshirt year, as, after his football season and you know, he joked with me and he said, you know, I only averaged like two points a game or something like that. But, you know, it was just more for the experience. But on the field, this guy is, he's a hitter, man. He uh, he comes up hard, number 33. He he is a physical, physical safety who has pretty nice um, understanding of zone, um, of zone spacing. And he's able to really make some nice plays on the football, surprising nice plays on football. And he's, he's a better athlete than you give him credit for. I, I'm a big fan of Evan Horn, man. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be quite the uh, – draftable NFL player, but he, I, 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 from an NFL draft perspective, I think he's a guy that can get into a camp and they can definitely compete on special teams and nothing else because he's just a physical, 
good athlete who, again, you know, everything he does, he does well. So I, I definitely see that. And he was playing across from Pop Lacey last year, who was a really dynamic safety for UNH. I 100% see that, and it seems like the case with these UNH guys is they tend to maybe not be draftable players, but they'll end up finding their ways onto rosters just because uh, the the coaching staff there has instilled such a good work ethic for those players, and they're always going to outwork maybe some more talented guys that have been sticking around longer on, on some of these rosters, and they're not prepared for a guy like Evan Horn who will bust his butt to outwork everyone else and, and make make his way onto that, that 53-man roster. Well, Ryan, thank you for taking the time to uh, you know join us and, and talk to me today and filling in for Sean very briefly here. Also, be make sure to uh, take a look in, at the event coming up on July 9th. But uh, thanks again, Ryan. Absolutely, Joe. And everybody out there, make sure to give a good um, – recommendation for me into the into the chat make sure to write a five-star review because joe has never had a better co-host on this podcast thank you so much joe. <laughs> are you trying to take sean's spot <laughs> is that hey, what man, this I, is <laughs> hey, I, I, I didn't ask you man you asked me so you're funny, <laughs> uh, okay to be fair though folks uh, and i already made this announcement on twitter ryan and i are going to be producing uh, and working on a show together uh, with also Alex Gilstrap with Believe coming out uh, soon. Hopefully, we're having some uh, not technical issues, but it's just it's a process to get the first trailer out and the first episodes out. That is going to be coming out soon, where we're going to be interviewing a ton of players coming up. Uh, you know, a bunch of them being FCS guys. So if you're interested in about draft stuff, you can hear me and, and Ryan talk about all of that great stuff. But I don't know, Sean. Sean, you might have to fight Sean if you want to beat him out for the FCS show. <laughs> hey man, I, I just need to get on air with with Sean, man. We can talk it out. You know, <laughs> I might I might surprise him. We'll see. We'll we'll make it happen. We I might let not let him know it's happening and just put you in the chat. That sounds but, good. But uh, all right, thanks, Ryan. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, awesome, Joe. Thanks, man. Really awesome getting to hear from Ryan Roberts at Rise and Draft on Twitter. And also, be sure to check out that other show that's going to be coming out soon that he and I are doing, as well as with Alex Gilstrap. It's going to be an inside look at these prospects for next season. Guys leading into 2021, we're going to be interviewing a ton of people. And I've already actually interviewed Justin Covington from Villanova, the star running back. Now I'm going to go into my list of key returners separate from the players that Ryan already alluded to. Those players are obviously a part of this key returner list, but that was Ryan's perspective on those various guys. And and I want to just address this thought that I, I thought of earlier. There's obviously going to be guys that we miss with these lists. Some of these conferences, particularly CA, Missouri Valley Conference, Ohio Valley, There are tons and tons of talented guys, and it's so easy to not be able to include some of these these players. We try to shoot for, I would say, 10 to 15 players on the list, and in some cases, just from the preseason All-American lists, the post-last season All-Conference teams, the draft sites that have these guys ranked, some of these conferences have like 30, 35 guys. So we can't always hit on everyone. And the way that I have today's list constructed, because it's it's only me today talking about these guys, I'm going to talk about the guys that I really like, as well as have a list of honorable mentions that I'm just going to read through, but not really analyze uh, their games, because otherwise there'd be just way too many 
players to address. First player, though, was the other quarterback besides Jared Undercuffler, Villanova quarterback Daniel Smith, six foot two, two oh five. Last season, he was really the spark that this Villanova offense needed to progress them forward. He threw for 3,069 yards, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, as well as 420 rushing yards. And the one stat line that I always get a kick out of is the one reception he had for 68 yards because he is that incredible of an athlete. The thing that sticks out to me for him with looking at Daniel Smith is that he is a fluid athlete playing the quarterback position. He's not a big dude. He's not like Zarek Cooper or Trey Lance that's six foot three and has a really good build. He's built decently well, but he's on the shorter side for a quarterback, built a little bit more like Baker Mayfield with better athleticism. Not as talented of an arm, but he's definitely more mobile as an athlete. The big thing that makes Daniel Smith such a threat is that he's always a threat to potentially run the ball on any given play. If you watch when he hands the ball off, he's always going to be faking it that he's going to keep it. That will keep a defense honest because he's so fast, he's quick enough, and he's that good of a ball carrier that sometimes linebackers have to kind of sit back and say, all right, we don't know if he's actually going to keep it or not. And then early on in games, you'll see him hand the ball off often, and eventually he'll decide to pull it or it'll be a designed quarterback keep on, or also additionally though, if it is some type of a zone zone read or a read option, He'll keep it. There will be no one there because everyone washed down to one side and he'll pull it and completely run away for 10, 15, even 20 yards. He has the legs to kill a defense, making him just such an awesome talent at the quarterback position in this conference. As far as throwing the ball, I I see that he's very accurate on short to intermediate throws. That is his bread and butter. It's read option and then hitting guys on these short to intermediate throws to the outside of the field, a lot of out routes, that kind of stuff. Very good at getting the ball out quickly. Second player and the third running back, or no, second running back so far, but uh, out of three guys that we're talking about today, Villanova running back Justin Covington, 5'11", 215. If you recall with Covington last year, he was on fire early on in the year. He had a streak of multiple 100-yard games, But he only played in six games. He got injured early, sadly. He rushed for 727 yards and three touchdowns. But we didn't get to see what Covington was capable of with a full year. What we do know is that he's very dynamic, huge playmaker, and he can take over games. And he was the perfect one-two punch next to Daniel Smith. Now, I said this earlier. I got the chance to talk to Covington. I got the chance to interview him, which you'll actually also get to hear a part of the running back interview shows that we're going to be doing when we do these positional breakdowns. Tuesday, we'll break down the position group. And then on Thursday, we'll have a couple interviews, at least one interview from a player at the FCS level from each position group. So Covington is going to be one of them. And the one thing that I got from Covington, and I have to say that he was easily one of the best interviews I've ever done with a college football player. It was so fun getting to talk to him because of some of the really insightful things that he had to say. And the one thing that I I will forever remember that he said, I think for throughout my whole career doing this, is that I asked him how he described his style of play and he said that he would describe himself like water. Now normally you ask guys that question, I ask guys that question a lot and they'll say that you know relentless determined 
a high motor, like the, like the the typical go to words. But he said like water because the way he flows to the line of scrimmage and finds gaps, a very very accurate statement by Covington as well as a very creative one. And I told him you'll get to hear this in the interview. I told him I'm I'm going to end up stealing that that analogy from him to use on on guys in the future because it's such a good uh, description for a guy who who plays the running back position patiently and knows how to flow to the right holes and hit them really hard. Another running back, Albany running back, Carl Mofer, 5'8", 225. Last season, he rushed for 1,290 yards, 10 touchdowns, 32 receptions, 319 yards, and then two receiving touchdowns. He's not super fast. He's not a super tall guy. But he is very, very stout. He's a stout, aggressive downhill runner and I I know that I tend to use that a lot but that is the perfect description for Carl Mofer he runs so low to the ground at five foot eight powerful steps I watch initial contact this guy does not go down on initial contact it takes an extra surge if you want to tackle him you need to tackle him low or you need to completely drive through him Otherwise, that leg churn that he has is enough to just drive through and carry a couple people for an extra one or two yards. That is what made Carl Mofer such a good running back last year, one of the top backs in terms of rushing yardage. And if I'm correct, I believe he also led the CAA in rushing yards. So Mofer is going to be a threat to repeat as the leading rusher in the CAA. One receiver we have on here, Villanova receiver Chenga Hodge, six foot one, two hundred pounds. Last season he produced sixty-five receptions, one thousand one hundred and eighteen yards, and thirteen touchdowns. I, the one thing I took away from him being that threat for Daniel Smith is that he is a proficient route runner with really, really long arms and great hands, and that really caters to his strong suit, which is reaching out, grabbing balls, making plays on the football, and being able to extend past maybe some smaller defensive backs that are guarding him. He's their number one receiver. They put him on the outside. He's their primary X receiver, and they often try to find ways to get him the football. It's exciting to see that Covington, Smith, and then now Hodge, the number one option for Smith, are all returning for Villanova. So I have two linemen on my list right here, and I, I still was able to get some notes from Sean. Sean did his uh, his due diligence in looking at these guys for me, besides uh, Graton, who Ryan alluded to earlier. First one being JMU's guard Liam Fornadel, six foot four, three oh eight. And in Sean's words, he described him as very gritty and a heavy-handed Mack truck. And in me having watched him, that is the perfect way to describe. Uh, for Nadal, who has been one of the best offensive linemen for the Dukes for a very long time. And he is going to be one of the best returning offensive linemen in the country, potentially one of the best interior offensive line prospects coming out of the FCS as, as well. Speaking of another guard, Liam Dobson from Maine, six foot three, three forty. That is a big guy. Sean said that he is a sturdy, thick interior offensive lineman with short, powerful steps. So he is a driver, strong guy, as you could expect for somebody who is 340 pounds. This is going to be a bit of a reoccurring theme here, folks. Uh, Another Villanova defensive player 
or player rather, but the one of two defensive guys that I have here today, Malik Fisher, defensive end, six foot four, two fifty five. He had thirty tackles, eight tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and five quarterback hits in two thousand and nineteen. When I watch Fisher, the one thing that I really like about him is his bend, his active hands. Typically, when you have a player that's not as heavy, that's around 255 playing the defensive end position, sometimes you worry, well, if he's playing lighter, can he bend properly? And and Fisher makes up for what he doesn't have in terms of big strength, or not strength, sorry, in size is what I meant to say. He makes up for it with his bend, his ability to dip his hips and use his hands actively as a pass rusher. And when I watch him against the run, he is not easy at all to move against the run. There were a couple times where I watched him against double teams where he stayed strong right in his gap, did not move. And that's what you want with from a defensive end, just clogging up rushing lanes and holding the edge, preventing any outside penetration uh, from an offense. Back-to-back Villanova players here. Inside linebacker Forrest Ryan, All-American, six foot one, two twenty-five. He produced one hundred and sixteen tackles, fourteen and a half tackles for loss, and then six and a half sacks in two thousand and nineteen. What I get from Forrest Ryan is that he's a very sturdy, active-footed linebacker. Downhill, they used him so often in some games to just blitz, to attack the line of scrimmage, to find holes. And maybe he wouldn't hit home, but when you have to divert your running back to go pick him up, that can free up defensive linemen slipping through. In the the southeastern Louisiana game, I, I noticed very clearly that they were blitzing him, I think, like every other play. They blitzed him a lot. And the other thing, too, you get with Ryan is that he's got great vision. He tracks the ball well. He is the perfect lead guy to follow the ball and at least slow down forward progression for a runner. He may not make that first tackle, but he is there. He's there to fill a lane and then allow some other guys to come and clean it up. But he's still very clearly a productive tackler uh, with 116 last season. The other linebacker I have on my players to watch list was Stony Brook offensive linebacker Augie Contressa, six foot two ten. Last season he had eighty eight tackles, ten and a half for loss, three and a half sacks, nine passes defensed, and one interception. And as you notice, six foot two ten is really not big size for an outside linebacker. But what I noticed the way that they use him is almost employing him as a bigger safety, a guy that can cover receivers and tight ends in the slot, still very, very fast to close out and attack ball carriers, and he's very clearly has the skill set of a linebacker. I think that he either needs to add a lot more weight, get up to 230, 235, or maybe transition to safety uh, once his time comes to transition to the next level. Second defensive player for Stony Brook I have here today. Uh, that is cornerback TJ Morrison, 5'10, 185. Last season he produced 40 tackles, one interception, and seven passes defensed. Very, very fast with a very, very good drop. I, I watched uh, the Utah State game against Jordan Love, and he did get 
I don't actually, I, I can't even describe it as beat. I watched him completely track and stay right on top of a receiver, played it as perfectly as he could, but the receiver made such a nice grab that he couldn't do anything. He's in position, he's always in the right spot, and he's exactly where he needs to be, which is why he was such a productive corner last year uh, for this Stony Brook defense. Last player I'm going to hit on, and another defensive back, JMU free safety, D'Angelo Amos, six foot one, 184, 57 tackles, 54 tackles for loss, two interceptions, and five passes defense. What I see with Amos is that for JMU and their defense, he is a multifaceted tool. And what I mean by that, it's almost reminiscent to how the New York Jets employ Jamal Adams. Almost a little bit more usage than the way that the the Jets use Adams. They will put him wherever they want him to. They know that he is capable of doing a lot of things at a high level. I watched him put him in the box rush the edge. I watched him play middle linebacker in a, in a dime package uh, in against the uh, against North Dakota State in the national championship game. And they'll also put him out to cover receivers as a cornerback or even over the top as a free safety. He does so many things. He's a great athlete, very, very fast. And you could tell that he is so smart, high football IQ, knows where he needs to be, knows how he can get an advantage on various plays no matter where you put him on the field. As I alluded to earlier, I have my list of honorable mention guys, and these are all guys that are considered to be draft prospects as well as All-American players, according to the various sources that that put out these All-American preseason lists. So I'm just going to run through these, give them your stats. Uh, JMU defensive tackle Mike Green, 53 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, and seven and a half sacks. JMU running back Percy Ajay Obase, 1,216 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns. Main offensive tackle, Gunnar Dokos. Uh, URI defensive end, Andre Bebalt, 44 tackles, two tackles for loss. Uh, that was not me just putting him on there to get a, a URI guy on this list. He is uh, legitimately ranked as uh, an und- a UDFA-type player at the defensive end position uh, coming out of URI. Richmond defensive tackle, Kobe Turner, 71 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss, and seven sacks. Stony Brook offensive lineman Kyle Nunez, who Sean really is a big fan of. Albany linebacker Levi Metheny, 120 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss. Main linebacker Deshaun Stevens, who was hurt last year, did not get to see him, but he's still a huge, huge impact player for that main defense. Last two players, Delaware defensive back Kedrick Whitehead and Villanova defensive back Jaquan Amos. As I typically do with these shows, I will pick, or we will pick, a player to watch. Since it's just me, I'm going to put out my guy that I I am going to be paying attention to next season. That has to be Jeff Undercuffler. He was incredible as a freshman, and we talk so much, as a redshirt freshman, we talk so much about Trey Lance and how good he is. An undercuffler might not be at that first-round level, first-round draftable prospect level as Lance. He's going to need a few years. He's still very, very talented. And you heard Ryan say all the, the great things about him and what he brings to the table. He has still not even fully reached his capable ceiling of what he could become and what he could turn himself into. So talented. He has 
pieces returning for him next year, offensive linemen returning, not all of them. There's a number that uh, were not that were seniors last year, but under Cuffler is going to only progress forward. The second team hero sports preseason All-American loved everything that he did. And if I were to pick a, a, a backup option too, I'm going to have to go with Justin Covington, who we didn't get to fully see. We only got to see him for six games last year. Once we get a full sample size of Justin Covington, I can guarantee we'll be talking about him as the best, if not at least one of the best running backs at the FCS level. I've got a bit of a shocking pick here to wrap up today's show. This is not going to be the typical pick for the favorite to win the CAA. It seems like every single year, it's easy just to pick JMU. There was the down year where Maine lost two years ago, or Maine won two years ago and JMU did not. I think next year is going to be a down year for them again. Ben DiNucci was drafted. John Daka, all of those defensive guys, Rashad Robinson, there are so many defensive guys that are now gone. They're gone. So many players, all Americans from JMU. And I understand they're the type of a program that can just reload and do well in recruiting. But there's a lot of missing pieces that they're going to need new guys to step up and perform. I can say confidently that JMU is going to be very good next year, that they're going to be one of the top two teams, top three teams at the very least in the CAA. But I am not going to pick them to win the CAA this next season. I'm going to pick Villanova. Villanova has been a storied program in this conference. They are returning so many playmakers, so many big-name players, so many All-Americans. Daniel Smith, Chinga Hodge, Justin Covington, even more defensive players. Jaquan Amos. All of those guys are going to be the perfect amount of players, the perfect mix of veteran leadership to give them a push to win the CAA. Now is the time to pounce. If you're a team like Albany or Villanova, now is the time to pounce. To take advantage of a potentially down JMU. Someone's going to upset them next year. Even potentially early on. It's just a matter of who, and I have to pick Villanova as the team that's going to do so. Well, <laughs> that's going to be it for me. Uh, long show here, but thanks for tuning in, as always, folks, and, and listening into me talk. I know it's not as entertaining when I have Sean here to argue and bicker with, but appreciate you hanging around and listening to me talk about my conference, the conference that I played in, and the conference that I firmly believe is the best in the FCS, close, close with the Missouri Valley Conference. Be sure to uh, rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening to us and follow me on social media at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Sean at Sanderson Radio. Also go and follow Believe Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Additionally, make sure you check out some of the other shows that Believe has out there. You can find our show on Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any of those sources, as well as Believe.com. Tune in for our next show as we're going to have on Adam Tanowski of Hammer Kicking and eventually we're going to make a complete flip to discussing 
position group by position group, the top players at every position in the FPS. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.